All right, welcome back to the big program. Text flooding in uh, all about the Oilers. One, five, and one start. We were talking about uh, Connor Brown. Kevin, stop looking for moral victories. Brown has been so terrible this year. He set the bar so low. I'm not getting excited about one average game. This team is brutal. No one seems to give a damn in an Oilers jersey. That comes from Ryan in a grain truck. Oh, boy. Uh, Time now for On the Mark, powered by Booster Juice. Visit a location today to refuel, refresh, re-energize, or download the new Booster Juice Rewards app to earn, order, and enjoy. As we welcome in Mark Spector, Spec, you're with Kevin Carius, and Eddie Steele on a Friday morning, and it's uh, not so pleasant in the Oilers Nation. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, what's your take now with a 1-5-1 and one team? Oh, boy, who saw this coming? Ooh. <laughs> you know the other thing spec is the other thing is that really the rangers when you look at the teams the Oilers have played if you look at them all the rangers are the only team that you could say that are really a, a good good team a team that can challenge for the stanley cup i mean the schedule's well, been soft yeah the Oilers had a soft start yeah right they had a soft start and uh, that was supposed to be a springboard into a, a, you know, a hell of a start for the Oilers. They were going to play some not as good teams and then be ready when the good team showed up. And boy, oh boy, listen, nothing anyone predicted is going the way we thought it would go. Players aren't playing as well. The team's not playing as well. Uh, you know, there's just, there's, as a guy that, that gets asked to predict stuff almost every day, uh, I'll tell you right now, I certainly have been dead wrong all the way. And so is everybody that I know. Exactly. Everybody. No one has uh, been predicting this for sure. What was the mood like in the room after for postgame? Oh, it's an elevating, uh, elevated level of concern. You know, like, uh, you know, I know how players work. They're not like fans. They don't panic. They don't p- try not to point fingers. They have a much a much higher toleration level for, you know, a a streak that's going bad because they know if we just stay cool here, it's going to go good, all those things. I've watched it for years. But when it gets to this point, you start to see some concern. You can tell by looking a guy in the eye. Guys are starting to, you know, they're like, (laughs) they didn't see this coming either, and they thought they should be able to stop it by now. And the level of play isn't getting better. It's not like you can say, hey, you know what? We're on our way out of this thing. They were That's one of the worst efforts I've seen for this team have. They were absolutely nowhere close on any level to the New York Rangers last night. A 3-0 game, it could have been, should have been 5 or 6 nothing. Yeah. Uh, it was not even a remotely close game, and no one knows that more than the guys in that dressing room. So, Speck, uh, when you talk about it wasn't remotely close of a game, are you solely just talking about the effort level, uh, their compete level, the same types of sentiments we've been talking about for the past three weeks now? Or are you still seeing lapses in the scheme, in execution? What are you seeing? Yeah, that's what's disconcerting is I think we're past the, you know, they're trying, right? These guys are trying. They know what's going on here. American Thanksgiving's around the corner. They got one win. So this isn't a bunch of guys skating around without a care in the world. Like, we're way past that. So they're trying, and it's not working. It was one thing when you weren't working hard enough, and you go, look, at we were lazy tonight. We didn't even give it our best. No wonder we lost. That's their best right now. They gave it their best, right? 
They gave it the best they've got right now, and it wasn't even a contest. So that's what's disconcerting inside that room is it now it's about it is about execution. Why are we executing so poorly? What's going on here? Right? Why does it look like we're not trying? Because we are trying, mm-hmm. right? So we're into the, about the third phase of a really bad losing streak, and that is that is oh boy, we know what's going on, and we can't fix it right now. Mark Spector is with Carius and Steele on Sports fourteen forty. Spec, when you had the eyeballs on Leon Drysaddle last night in particular. Because, yes, he's put up some numbers so far in the early going. What did your eye test tell you about Leon's maybe body language, uh, some other things going off the ice on changes and things like that? Uh, Your comments on that? Well, listen, Leon's always had a bit of a body language thing, Mm -hmm. and that's who he is. It's natural for him. We've, We've all seen it his whole career. When things are going bad, he changes slower than anybody. Right. He does. That's who he is. You know, I'm not going to, I mean, that's just his DNA, man. Uh, I don't think I, I, I'll tell you right now, I've watched this player his whole career. If we're having a conversation about does Leon Dreisaitl care? Does Leon Dreisaitl try hard enough? Is Leon Dreisaitl a leader on this team? We shouldn't even be having that conversation. What okay. more does Leon Dreisaitl have to do? Mm. Right. He plays his best hockey in the biggest games of the year in the playoffs. He went through the playoffs on one leg the other year. You tell mm-hmm. me he doesn't care. He he's a second leading scorer in the National Hockey League over like the last six seasons. Okay, so you know, do I did I love Leon's game? Of course I didn't. There's mm-hmm. no one's game you love last night, but I'm not going down any road here that says Leon Dreisaitl is the root of the problem or he doesn't care enough or no, 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 no. He's he's afflicted with the same illness here everybody else is afflicted with, and they need a doctor awful quick. <laughs> Speck, I guess, um, you know, take Vegas out of the mix. I guess it's safe to say that um, this is a, a good time for the Oilers to be so poor because the Pacific is so trash, isn't it? Wow. That, I mean, that's their good luck. Their good fortune is there's three playoff spots in the Pacific, and they're not – you know, the first one might be getting away on them, but second and third aren't yet. So, yes, Eddie, that's a good point. I haven't even really, I got to admit, I haven't even really looked at the standings. I guess I'm a lousy journalist because <laughs> no, I should be. No, no, no. But I can tell you, know, you right the, now. Go the ahead, hockey yeah. Girl, yeah. The hockey guy in me says, oh, man, I didn't want to look at these standings right now. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you right now, Spec, that there's only, besides uh, Vegas, there's only two teams that are over 500 in the division. Right. And so, it's uh, one of them. good. I mean, one of them's barely the LA Kings are three, two and one. And I know that, that the sky is falling in Calgary too. Mm-hmm. Calgary is in exactly the same spot Edmonton's in. They have a way better roster than they're playing. They know that it's going sour. They can't fix it either. Right. They can't, they lost three, nothing last mm-hmm. night, just like the oil. To a worse team, I might yeah, add. Yeah, uh, it's this game. I'm not sure I can ever remember, guys, a bigger game between two teams going this bad that fifty thousand people are going to line up. To, <laughs> in fact, I've never seen a game no, like that. It's I'm impossible. This is a first. <laughs> well, right now, spec the two teams are three ten and two. Uh, their average goals per game is one point four seven on even strength. That's it. 
1.47, and the save percentage combined between the two, 877. Uh, we were saying off the top, the Oilers can't win at home. They can't win at road. When on the road, may as well try to win at Commonwealth. And maybe because yeah. Calgary, and even Ryan Huska said, we suck right now. That's what he said last night. Maybe. <laughs> how about a line brawl right off the hop? Could you imagine that? A line brawl at Commonwealth Stadium? Just to because two teams are so frustrated, so upset, they both stink. Maybe that's what has to happen. Kevin, you're not living in Melville. <laughs> <Nevada, Saskatchewan, laughs> okay? Oh no, I missed that. Uh, oh. Yeah, we're not in Melville, Kevin. Come on, not oh, I missed that all. <laughs> I was laughing so hard, my you earbuds popped, popped out. Buds oh out. man! No, but it's true, Spec. I mean, with two terrible. T- Terrible records these teams have coming together here this weekend. At least for the hockey fan, it should bode for some good, desperate hockey, shouldn't it? Oh, listen. Like, normally, sometimes in these outdoor games, guys get distracted. All there's tons of family coming in. Games like this, everybody's mom and dad and brother and sister-in-law and minor hockey coach come in to see the game. There's Mm -hmm. lots of tickets around. Uh, there's a lot of distractions, you know, there's lots of, uh, there's a practice on the rink and then a family skate. There's all kinds of reasons not to be focused in these outdoor games. I've been to a bunch of them. Mm -hmm. That's not going to be an issue here on Sunday. Neither of these teams, if you're somebody's family, you're probably going to get a lot less attention than you thought you were going to get coming into town. Uh, there will be two absolutely laser-focused teams because they both need to win so bad, and they're looking across the ice at a team that's playing as bad as they are. So, oh yeah, this is like the this is like the the wounded lion <laughs> and the zebra that's got three legs, and the, they both know they can beat each other yeah. on the African savanna. So somebody's going to come out of this thing with two points, no matter how bad they play. Uh, it'll be an overtime or shootout game because that's the way it's going. <laughs> hey, uh, Speck, we sat together yesterday at, at uh, kind of availability for the Oilers Hall of Fame, and both of us had a smile on our faces. That was fun, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, the you know, and Billy, it has to be said here that Bill Guerin and uh, and Doug Waite, like they're a comedy act. Oh, you know, I, I didn't see their hit on their intermission hit on Sportsnet. Gene Prince said he barely said a word. He said it was the funniest hit he's ever done. It was good. Uh, these guys did nothing but make you laugh. I love Doug Waite's story. He says <laughs> when I when me and Billy start playing together, Billy says, "Okay, look." When the puck goes in that corner, he says, I'm going to stand in front of the net and you go into the corner and get it. But when the puck goes in the other corner, he says, now you go in the corner and get it and I'm going to stand in front of the net. Which was was just a spinoff of uh, Charlie Huddy and Paul Coffey, right? (laughs) You know? Same thing. I asked Charlie that. Lots of laughs. I asked Charlie that, you know, yeah, like how many, how long you guys been using the shtick? He goes, yeah, we, we use it at every banquet. It's it's great for sure. <laughs> and then, you know, it, when we were sitting up uh, in, the, in the press box back, uh, it was sort of hard to hear. But, I mean, I think Doug Waite's line about, you know, his family being there. And then, you know, my dad was going to come, but then he found out Connor wasn't playing. <laughs> you know, to me, I thought yeah, like that, that just really was a killer. Uh, yeah, they're both smart. He's a f- smart, funny guy. Oh. Dougie Wade always was. Listen, Doug Wade, when I, when we I was covering the Oilers, I was at the game when they got traded, him and Tickening for each other. Oh. Um, Dougie Wade was such a smart, insightful, intelligent quote 
that we went to them all the time. The Oilers, a lot of those times, they were okay. They were a playoff team, but they weren't the best team. And he was by far the smartest and best quote in the team. I remember my boss saying to me, Spectre, you got to go talk to more to other guys. You can't mm-hmm. have Doug Waite filling your column every day. Uh, because he was just a guy that let you in and, t- and told you what was going on and gave you great insight and put his words together eloquently. Uh, oh, yeah, for sure. He was a, He's a good guy and... You know what? Him and Charlie Huddy, I couldn't think of two better guys for that wall. Yeah, for sure. You know, when you, you're talking about Doug Wade, I remember so his last game here, uh, everyone knew he was going. Uh, and there was a big scrum, and I got roasted for asking him because it was after a game, and I asked him, you know, you know, could it be your last game and, and, and you know, your thoughts moving forward? And he, no. he was very I, – I was sort of, like you said, I kind of took the one for the scrum by saying it, and it's a long time ago, obviously. Yeah. But – it was the same. Everyone wanted to ask the question, right? In the scrum, you knew that, right? You were there, but yep. you know, I ended up asking. Then I was. I remember getting roasted on the radio for asking it. You shouldn't ask that question. You know, at this time, they they just lost in the playoffs and whatever. But that's how those things whatever. go. Whatever. Yeah, that's how those things go. Well, listen, I don't think a lot of you know. Listen, no one in this conversation gets roasted for asking questions more than the guy <laughs> that's speaking right now. Yes. <laughs> no, you do. Okay. For sure, you do. Uh, and good you for know, you. I get roasted, and I'm fine. For let the record show, no problem. Oftentimes, it's that question that seems obvious that gets the best answer. It's a question that people outside of our business would say, "Oh, that's a dumb question." Mm. But sometimes it falls flat. But if you ask it, oftentimes, and I learned this talking to Glenn Sather you get the best response. You used to have to ask Glenn Sather after his team got pounded eight to one. You know, you'd have to, you literally have to put it into, into prose and say, geez, eight to one, that's a pretty bad loss, eh? <laughs> and is that a dumb question? Only if it was until Glenn Sather went off on a tirade that filled the top half of your column. Then it turned into a good question. So people got to understand that sometimes it's a simple, obvious question that's the best one. And yeah, you got to swallow your pride and ask it sometimes. That's what we get paid to do. And the question is, how can this team turn things around moving forward? We will find out uh, Sunday for the Heritage Classic. One quick one, Spec. Were you surprised the day off today by the Oilers? Uh, not really. Okay. This this is the NHLPA mandated thing. Uh, they did have a day off a couple of days ago where they just had meetings and no skate, but it's not a quote-unquote day off under the rules right. of the CBA because they flew home that night from Minnesota. So, I mean, the coach doesn't want a day off, right? No coach wants a day off when his team's going like this, but this is the deal. They got a day off today, and they got a day off on Monday after the Heritage mm-hmm. Classic, and it was scheduled two months ago. Right. So, I just thought just because I just thought because of the schedule next week and, and things like that and, you know, whatever. But – uh, we will yeah. see what happens on Sunday and then probably a skate tomorrow at uh, at uh, the outdoor uh, facility at yes, Commonwealth. Sir. And uh, we'll see you uh, in the next couple of days, Spec. Thanks for coming on again. All right. Have All a right, great thanks. weekend, Spec. Yep, see you, Have Spec. a great weekend, big guy. That's uh, On The Mark, powered by Booster Juice. Get the boost you need at Booster Juice. When we come back, Frank Saravalli will uh, guest with us. He's in town, was at the game last night with the whole family and going to the uh, Heritage Classic as well on Sunday. Stay with us. This is the Kevin Carey Show with Eddie Steele on Sports 1440.
All right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for our headliner of the day brought to you by Mr. Reuter. They are sports fans like all of our listeners and are pumped that Sports Talk Radio is back for all your plumbing needs. You can go to mrreuter.ca as we welcome in uh, Frank Saravalli, not in Philadelphia, but in our fine city. Frank, uh, did you wake up to the beautiful Edmonton skyline this morning or what? I did. Uh, the sun is obviously not shining today. And I would think after the way the Oilers played last night, probably isn't coming out today. No. So you got in town yesterday in time for the game with the family. What was the, I guess, the experience uh, like for the Saravallis? Uh, it was a long way to get here from mm-hmm. Philly, uh, out to Denver and then up. And uh, I've done this trip a lot, never with kids. And uh Adding one. a seven and nine year old into the mix, I, I needed a few Tylenol in Denver. I'm not going to lie, <laughs> uh, but uh, they were super excited to be here. And uh, as some of my friends texted me during the game last night, watching, and they said, "Your children deserve better than to see this." <laughs> oh, yeah, Frank, I can relate because I just took my family. I got a six and four year old, and I took my family out to your neck of the woods in the summer, out to to Maryland there. And uh, not right. not a fun travel day when you have three different flights to get there from Edmonton. Yeah, it's really not an easy place to get to. And the amazing thing is just down the road in Calgary, like you can go Calgary out east nonstop. And so mm-hmm. got to get those flights back here to the YEG. <laughs> well, so Frank, you get some uh, eyeballs in the arena and then you're probably got to get popcorn and pop for the kids too. But from what you saw of the game uh, last night, what's your take? really disappointing and we've talked about this the last you know when I joined you on Tuesday I think the most jarring part of the start of this season I think look part of it there's been a little bad luck involved I think they've played two of their games at least to this point that on most nights they probably get a win I'm thinking the game at home against Winnipeg, the second game of the season, the home opener against the Canucks. Okay, fine. Park it. Didn't go their way. But what's jarring to me is the lack of work ethic. Where's the compete? Where is the? Where are you winning the battles? Where are you winning on the wall? And that doesn't require the captain to be in the lineup. That doesn't require number 97 doing his thing. I'm just not seeing enough of it from the rest of the team. And I think that part is alarming because that's the basis and root of the game. You can't win without it. Hard work beats talent almost every single time when talent doesn't work hard. And I know I sounded like a coach with the cliche, but the point is if that's not your baseline, Where's the rest of it going to come from? Your skill has a hard time coming out if you don't have the puck. Frank Saravalli is with us on Sports 1440. Uh, In the first hour or so, Frank, I guess my terminology was not enough jam. Eddie Steele says, uh, don't have any dogs in the fight, more puppies than dogs right now. Where and how can that change? I think the hard part for me is if you're looking at this group and normally this is the exact moment in time when, you know, a coach would look at this and say, you know, we we need our 
our grinders, our third or fourth line to really help drag us into this maybe. That's one thing that really stands out about this Euler group is their bottom six just doesn't have that element. And more than that, they're so one-dimensional in how they play. They're all similar that I think that stands out. And look, the other part of it too is we just talked about trying to get the puck back. It would really make life a lot easier if you're not continually shooting yourself in the foot in your own end. I mean, that's another big part of it as well is the way they defend could be so much cleaner. And that part has, has really stood out They're They're constantly on their heels, constantly chasing. Uh, text coming in to one eight three three four zero one fourteen forty from Warren. I saw Frank at the game last night, and I was thinking, poor Frank and his family. They had to witness this atrocity of a team live. This team has absolutely no backbone, no pushback, no give a damn. Sad, Eddie. Yeah, Frank. I I, I want to uh, switch gears, just moving away from the Oilers here for a sec. Can you give some insight into the Shane Pinto situation? Other than we already know he's got the forty-one game suspension. You want to give us some details on that? Yeah. So the NHL left a lot to be, you know, sort of picked through with their statement. It was essentially one statement, one sentence, I should say, that said. We have no evidence that Shane Pinto bet on NHL games. And on the surface, you're probably reading that as a fan saying, okay, so the NHL doesn't prohibit players from betting on legally football or basketball or some other sport. Why then is Shane Pinto being suspended? And so part of it is you're left to dig in and do some reporting and part of it after that, once you find some information, is to draw some logical conclusions. And so I'll tell you where I'm at. The, the reason an investigation was launched is because I'm told the NHL regularly does what's called an integrity sweep multiple times throughout the season. They have partnerships with a lot of these sports books and gambling entities Um, And those that don't, they still have other partnerships in place to try and uphold the integrity of not just the game, but the integrity of the wager. It's it's important for that side of the business to have trust in the product that's either on the ice or court or field. And so when they did these sweeps, basically they, they run every player's name and legal name through the database And there was no match with Shane Pinto, but there was some kind of match somewhere. And I don't know how this happened, whether it's with banking information or whatever it might be, that connected Shane Pinto to a third party, a proxy better, a different account. And now here's where the logical assumption comes in, and this could still be true with the NHL's one-sentence statement, the league may not have found evidence that Shane Pinto bet on NHL games, but there may be evidence that this account that he's somehow connected to, whether it's a friend, uncle, cousin, brother, whoever it might be, there's some connection there that that account may have bet on NHL games. And I think that's where he got into hot water. Frank Saravalli's with us on Sports 1440. Hot water, to say the least. It's a 41-game suspension 
is it uh, the right amount? He seems to agree with it. He's willing to accept his punishment. Um, how about the league being a little more transparent? How's that, Frank, in the sense of... Well, go ahead. You're asking, is it the right amount? I don't. We don't know all the facts. That's what I'm saying. We have what yeah. I believe from sources that have indicated that this is the information, but we don't know how many wagers, how much was wagered. We, look, <clears throat> the bottom line is clear. You can't bet on hockey. You can't have someone bet on hockey for you. We know that. And there should be a significant penalty for that. But we, we're, we're left to our own devices here. The transparency would be huge. And here, here's the part that I struggle with is where's the NHLPA in all of this? I tweeted yesterday from speaking with uh, people at the NHLPA, there is no appeal coming. This was a punishment that was negotiated, essentially. And the problem with that is, one, we don't have a lot of info, and two, this sets a precedent. Whatever the next gambling violation is, is it going to be a full season? Is it a quarter? How does it compare to this? And there needs to be a specific policy put in place. The league says from time and time again that they don't like when it comes to off-ice issues, something like um, domestic abuse or mm-hmm. sexual assault, they don't like having a policy because they like to evaluate each case on its own merit. But you can go, and I had this in my story yesterday on dailyfaceoff.com, you can learn exactly what the punishment is in the NFL. You bet on another sport as an NFL player, six-game suspension. Yeah. You bet on another sport a second time, it's a full season. Like everything is perfectly laid out for you so that you understand and know this violation creates this penalty. Now we don't know anything. We don't know anything about what the NHL saw. We don't know anything about how they arrived at this point. And we have next to no public pushback or appearance of pushback from the NHLPA, which is what a union is supposed to do in this situation. But Frank, the union dragged its feet on the on the pride tape. The league botched that up. This is just another instance where it's happening again. It kind of feels to me like they're being strong-armed. I mean, I don't again, it's impossible to know exactly what happened behind closed doors, but I can't imagine being in a spot as a new executive director who has no hockey experience, doesn't know these these people involved on the other side of the table and Marty Walsh, and just sits back and folds his hands and says, because the NHL says this, allow it to be so. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the other I, I've talked to a few guys in the gambling world. Uh, one of them said that basically with the irregularity of the betting that was found um, on this account was the what triggered more of an investigation and raised more eyebrows. So I think the other, in my mind, players on all the teams, they just want to know what can I and what can I not do? Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, it, it would be. Um, part of it is you would think some of it is common sense. Mm-hmm. And I bet you there is a number of NHL players today that are scurrying to make sure that they're clean. Mm. And I'm not saying that in mm-hmm. 
oh my God, these guys are bad guys, any sort of way like that. But I was talking to a current NHL head coach yesterday who said to me, can you help me with this? Like, what's going on here? He said, I've coached four different teams now, and I would say that 75% of my locker room gambles. And he means on NFL or NBA or something, because that's not prohibitive, and in most places it's legal. So he's saying, well, what, what can we, like, there are some more, there's some more information that the league has shared with teams and players previously, but I don't think there's been enough education on that front, but I kind of feel like part of it is just common sense. Like mm-hmm. you are privy to privileged information as a player. It may not be overt. It may not be something that someone tells you, but you walk into the trainer's room and you see five guys on your team that are important pieces that are barely hanging on and barely in the lineup. You tell someone, and it's a way to shave percentages on a line. It's information that changes the specter of how you view what you're placing your money on. And it's it's significant, but look, here's the part that everyone is wrestling with today is, the league has had its hand out and has stuffed its pockets with gambling dollars. Yeah. Shane Pinto's own team last year on their helmet, their sponsor was Bet99. Like this is a tough thing that everyone is trying to to grapple with this morning. I think transparency is what we're looking for. Uh, so Frank, what does the Saravalli family do in Edmonton for the next couple of days heading into Sunday's Heritage Classic? Yeah, so we've got the Heritage Classic. I mean, look, first-time visitors to Edmonton, yeah. like they got to go to the West Ed Mall. <laughs> Come by. We're right um, here, Frank. We're right here. Uh, uh, you may see me later today at some point uh, if you're still there. Um, you got to have to. Yeah. Kids will love that, and then we'll we'll figure out something to do Saturday. So go to the mall, That's like the TV. water park. Yeah, check out the water park, yeah. Frank. I would recommend as a parent, you know, you got the kids, you want to keep them occupied. Tell us World of Science. It's a really cool place. So there's a there's a few good things for you to do with the family around town here, Frank. You want to come over for a Look beer later Eddie. today, Frank? Eddie coming through in the clutch. Hey, oh. I'm always down for a beer. Well, if you want to, if you're in, I'll tell you what, Frank. If you're, Do you know what time you're going to the mall? I don't. Uh, that's I got a bunch of different shows and podcasts to get through this morning, and then okay. I know I have a dinner lined up later with our whole squad. Okay. Well, if you're if you're in the mall, I'll come and I'll we'll go to uh, we'll go to first round for a beer. How's that sound? All right. I would love that. Okay. Frank Saravalli, uh, have a great uh, time in Edmonton. Enjoy the uh, Winter Classic with your family or the Heritage Classic. Pardon me on. Sunday. Take care, big guy. See you, Frank. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. That is our headliner of the day, Frank Saravalli, brought to you by Mr. Rooter. There's a reason they call him Mr. For all your plumbing needs, go to mrrooter.ca. You know, it's tough to go, like, I mean, so you take the kids, probably, maybe they want to go to the water park, I would assume. For sure. I mean, every every kid, when they go to a hotel, what's the first thing? They go to the slide. And the, the pool, the slides, it's basically... What? I mean, most hotels, it's like, a, you know, you're down in three seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Quick little slide. So if they see the slides here at the water park, boy, they will be shocked for the first time when they see it. It's pretty cool. 
I'm just trying to think what else Frank can do on a chilly, chilly October day. Uh, I'm sure his time will get filled. There's a couple of meals and, you know, kids need some downtime, TV time. Day goes just like that. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, they're probably right now for them, it's 1030 in the morning. You know, they're on Philly time. Good point. They're on. And we never even got to talk to Frank about the Phillies, eh, Duke? Man, that would have been disappointing. I don't know how keen he would have been to uh, talk about the Phillies after his travel woes, uh, the disappointing performance he took the family to last night. It, like, I think that would have just been insult to injury if you're like, hey, Frank, so how about them Phillies here on a Friday morning <laughs> where the uh, the World Series uh, kicks would they off lose later four today? Straight? No, no, they, they, they were, were up 3-2. 3-2. Two. Two. They were up 2 nothing and 3-2. Two. But two then, nothing. But then lost back-to-back games yeah. on At their home, home field yeah. where they had not previously lost yet. This yeah, postseason. Up to nothing. Ouch. And, uh, you know, the atmosphere at uh, the ballpark there in Philly is just amazing. And, Rowdy. And everyone just assumed after they went up to nothing, everyone was going, okay, so if they sweep now, they can get their pitching rotation set and everything yeah. for the World Series. Now they're watching the World Series. Kevin, that's why you play that's the, the game. game. <laughs> yes. Um, you know what? We're going to. We'll talk a little CFL. How's that sound when we come back? Let's do it. Little CFL, maybe little NFL. We've got, a, and we'll get to more of your text. We got uh, War and Ranting Rob, the J Dog, uh, Northside Sammy. Uh, we've got lots in Jordan coming up uh, after the break on the Kevin Carey Show with Eddie Steele on Sports fourteen forty. Here I was thinking it was going to be the Rolling Stones. You come in with Billy Joel, Duke. Oh, you love that one, Andy, don't you? Have you ever seen Billy Joel in concert? No, I haven't. Uh, heard he's great, though. Yes. He's great. We need a little feel-good on this Friday. It's been down again. It's been down for a while, and that's just how the mood is around town when the Oilers are going like they're going. That's yep. the way it is. Yeah, I know it is. It uh, is. We're trying to get to um, all your texts. There's been a million of them. Um, uh, Scott says... Wait for GM, Messier for coach. Uh, uh, I know some would say it's back to the old boys club. The character and what they brought is what is needed now. Um, Jordan, I'm surprised you didn't give the recommendation of finding Connor's house and uh, the Kate's rink. That's for uh, Frank. Uh, Warren, watching this team right now reminds me of watching the team from 07 to 20. 15. Man, that's a dark period. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks like something is fundamentally uh, broken. Ranting Rob goes, Woodcraft needs to jumble the lines, put the team in a blender, press on the mix. Uh, Has the team not been in a blender? Okay. Last night, the lines changed after the second period, and we saw quite a few combinations. Um, McLeod played with Fogle and Hyman for a few shifts. Uh, Holloway was bumped up. We wanted to see that. Actually, we talked about it on Wednesday with David Schlemko. Uh, Holloway was bumped up for a spot or two with Leon Dreisaitl and Derek Ryan at times. Then we saw Evander Kane with uh, Connor Brown and, and Leon Dreisaitl. They moved around a lot. Of, a lot, And there was a little more urgency in the third. Not enough. No. Not no. enough. And nothing to show for all the shuffling either. Yeah. Uh, HVAC Nick, curious why Ryan Smith didn't come make an appearance last night. Good point. Uh, there was a video message on the scoreboard for Smitty. He's probably coaching his kid in Nashville, uh, Alex, and whatever else going on uh, there. Of course, he was back uh, when they raised his uh, name to the Ring of Honor and the Oilers Hall of Fame. Uh, again, tons and tons of texts and everything uh, moving forward with the Oilers. Just wanted to kind of touch on the CFL for a couple of moments with Eddie Steele. There are, all the games this week, there's three games, but there's really nothing. We all know who's playing whom in the playoffs and who's yeah. playing where. I guess the, there's only one 
I guess, thing in question, one aspect to talk about, and that's Toronto Argonauts, if they can win, that's 16 wins on the year. Yeah, that'd be huge. Is it a big deal? Uh, it's a big deal. They want to win, but I don't think uh, it comes close uh, in the scale of, in terms of big deal, uh, compared to their ultimate goal, which is winning a championship, uh, being healthy. Uh, I've read a lot of teams across the league this week aren't playing their starters mm-hmm. or their most important players, which understandably so, because why risk an injury for a meaningless game when the playoff positions are already set? So, yeah, it'd be big for Toronto to win 16. It would be really neat. They've been the cream of the CFL all year, so I wouldn't be shocked if they hit it. So the 16 wins, the reason why it's a it's a bigger deal is because that would match what the Edmonton Eskimos did back in 1989. Yeah. Yep. Unfortunately, what happened in 89, do you remember? Of course, it was the loss to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Yeah. Was that? <laughs> that was the when Saskatchewan went on to beat Hamilton on the Dave Ridgeway field goal. Late was that Saskatchewan second or first? Second or first? Grey Cup. Uh, second, because they won in 66. That was their second, yeah. Yeah. So that was a big deal back yeah. in 89, man. Oh, yeah. Ooh. yeah. Being, you know, I grew up in Saskatchewan. Totally. And saw what they called the reign of error. <laughs> That's what it was called. Uh, Bob Hughes from the Regina Leader Post penned it the first year, uh, and it was called the reign of error, and then it went into Roman numerals, Eddie. Oof. After that, like, and it went all the way, starting with an X, so 11, 12. Yeah. It got to the point in Saskatchewan, Eddie, where um, the only hope there was on the whole season was to try to beat Winnipeg on Labor Day. Wow. Yeah, wow. At, ta- at Taylor Field. Wow. They had a thing called Hemorrhoid Hill there at the old Taylor <laughs> Field because they didn't want to turn anyone away. They let everybody, everybody in. Yeah, yeah. So in the end zone, it was a little higher up, and it was just kind of grass and... And uh, fans could sit on there. Pack the hill. Yeah. 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 Taylor Field was a good place, wasn't it? It sure was, man. It was uh, l- epically legendary. I-, I loved playing there. And it seemed like I always played there late in the year, and the weather was always brutal. But the people just flocked and flocked and flocked. Actually, that stadium was where my parents and my family members got heckled the most uh, in my CFL career because they traveled and they saw mm-hmm. me play in every stadium. And they said, uh, playing at that field... Uh, that's definitely where they got it the most from fans. So they're wearing the steel jerseys, right? Oh, of right? course, yeah. So, like, and it was close to the field, right? Like, yeah. I mean, the proximity. It was right on top, essentially, yeah. yeah. Especially the visitor's bench. <laughs> yeah, they, uh, rowdy, man, they were rowdy. They know how to heckle, that's for sure. Isn't there... Some was, Pilsner's help. <laughs> yeah. Isn't there, um, what do you call it? There was an older older woman in the, in the stands that... She used to kind of try to hit guys with her cane, kind of going through that tunnel. Was that, is that correct? I, I don't remember that one. I don't remember that one. No, I don't remember that one. It's funny, though. You we're talking uh, about Doug Waite and Billy Garen and just the, the pranksters that they were. Oh. And it got me thinking of mm-hmm. some pranks that we used to do to each other. And uh, have you ever heard of a leaner, Kevin? I don't know. So when we, <laughs> when we would travel, and I was definitely a, a ringleader of the pranks. Okay. I like I like to get after my teammates. When we would travel, uh, there was these things called leaners. So what we would do is, you would take your garbage uh, bin in the hotel room and mm. take the bag out of it. 
I fill, got you now. Yes, I got you Fill it half now. full with yes. water, and then you would lean it up against the door mm-hmm. of your teammates, and then you'd knock on the door. And as they open the door from the inside, because that's how hotel room doors open, yeah. the bucket of water falls over, and it fills the whole entrance of their hotel room with water. And then you run away, and you're, you're laughing giggle, like giggle, a little giggle, girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it was awesome. It brought back such memories of my jokes that I used to play on guys. Well... Practical jokes are the best. Doug Wade and, and Bill Guerin were the ringleaders in that, not only to each other. I was talking to Bill Guerin about one yesterday. I thought it was Bill Guerin and Doug Wade together, but he told me it was Billy Heward who used to play years ago as well. I'm not going to say it on the air, but it was a really good one. Did you, did you guys do a lot more, like even on oh, the road? Because yeah. that's, when, that's the best part. And I, I asked, and you're going to hear it when we have the interview with Bill Guerin, uh, why were you, I asked him, like, why were you such a good practical joker why did you like doing it he goes it's just he looked at me like i was from another planet he was like it's fun it's man fun. It's, it's fun, fun. you it's know it's fun i was uh i was a outspoken rookie and i was a talented rookie and the vets on the team they really really gave it to me my first year in the league and part of that wasn't because they didn't like me it was because they liked me and they accepted me into into that group i was a starter at 23 years old so you know they they got to accept you into that group of kind of leadership on the team but i remember man i would get rookied so hard guys would tape up my stuff we would have this it was like icy hot except it was <laughs> times 10 and they would put that in your jock. They would put mm-hmm. that in your helmet. Uh, the, they would t- unscrew the cap of a water bottle so that we'd be in meeting rooms. And they'd lightly unscrew the cap of your water bottle. Yes. And then you go to drink it and the whole thing just dumps on your face in front of all the coaches in a meeting room. Just so <laughs> many things. And I was the brunt of a lot of these jokes. But then I took it well. And then I passed it on to the others. You know what Ambisol is, Eddie, right? Ambisol for if you have a sore tooth or Mm -hmm. your gum is sore, inflamed. For one whole summer, I had it in my golf bag. So you have it in your golf bag, and I shouldn't even be saying this because it's such a great, great prank, and you don't want it to get out there. So if a buddy of yours is teeing off, you just take the Ambisol and you wipe it on his beer can, just where his lip touches the beer can. So then you watch him for a hole, and you'll see his lips getting numb. And now he can't really, you know, he's smacking his lips. <laughs> he's having trouble. He's They're getting red. And then you take, you wait for that to happen. You keep doing it for a few holes. And then you take one of those cork stick pins, okay, that you, you know, on cork boards. Yeah. And you just poke a tiny little hole uh, on the bottom of the lip of the can. Pilsner cans work the best because there's that ribbon and you don't really see where it is. So now there's a tiny droplet of beer coming out and it goes on his shirt so now the guy's he's rubbing his lips he's looking down in his shirt and there's just three or four tiny little dots every time he takes a sip he has no clue what's going on his lips are just red yeah, yeah. he's smacking them he's licking them thinking he's catching an allergy from yeah, the he's outside getting, or something got it bit by a wasp yeah, or something yeah yeah, yeah. Oh. some of the funniest ones too where guys really would get upset is um the special teams guys, the kickers and the, the snappers, long snappers, they wouldn't be outside at practice a lot. So they had a lot of time to go inside and be the uh, quote-unquote phantom uh-huh. of the locker room. And uh, they would take guys' clothes, shoes. They'd take their wallet and their cell phone out of their pants, but they would take their full attire <laughs> that they showed up to the stadium in. 
they would put it in a water and then they would freeze it into a big block of ice. And then after practice, you go to your locker and all your stuff is just in a block of ice. Mm -hmm. I've seen guys want to fight guys over that stuff, man. If you've got a practical joke that we can put on the air, send us a text, one 401 Sports-related, because those are the best ones. And you're, you're in the locker room, and you've seen guys, like a lot of guys will, uh, they've done it to, they did it to George LaRock a lot. I shouldn't say a lot, several times, where someone took a saw to his stick and just cut it, you know, about halfway through. Then, then So the next time you wind up for something and, you know, it just snaps, snaps and, and things like that. You know who we really got to that... Uh, was so good with it was Joey Moss. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Joey Moss was the best in the locker room. We would get him with some good pranks, but then he would get us back because yeah. he'd be handling a lot of our equipment and our, our gear. <laughs> so oh, it was such a, a fun back and forth with Joey. Well, a lot of guys, Mike York was very good at it. They would always pull the plug on the vacuum cleaner with Joey, and he would just look at the guys and go, you know, I know what you're doing. Yeah. Just stop it. <laughs> yeah. Stop it. Yeah. You know, and then Dwayne with the Esks or, or Sparky or Barry would just, you know, they would, everyone get it. put a smile on your face. I mean, it, it, the day was better. It was. You know, it was better. It was yeah. great. Well, again, these uh, uh, two hours flew by again. Yes, What's on tap for Eddie Steele and the family? Jackson, uh, Jackson's not coming yeah, in for oh, his cameo well, again? Speaking of Jackson, I forgot. Yeah, he man, you made his day, Kevin. You <laughs> made his day. That was awesome. He has a disability, so... Um, he wasn't. He didn't stop talking about oh. that man. So the fact that you did that, man, I, I can't tell oh. you how thankful I am that you did that. Kevin. It was fun. Like you know, we had. I, I should have had about another ten questions. Where like, who's the, is Kevin Carey's the best looking guy in the room? Yeah, <laughs> yes, 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 you know, yes, yes. You, know that, you know, something like that. We could have gone on and on and on. Well, honestly, just from where he was three years ago, being mm-hmm. nonverbal to okay. being able to come and do that, Kevin. Uh, just as a dad, it's incredible to see. Uh, how he was able to be comfortable, be able to, yeah, he only said yes, but what, where our son was three mm-hmm. years ago, Kevin. We, well, maybe oh, we can we, talk about that next week. Yes, like the, I, I just, journey we, and things I like just that. was hoping for words, and well, that was great. amazing, man. Oh, well, that's great. So we'll uh, we'll talk about that next week. Absolutely. Be, that'll be a good feel-good Friday Absolutely. Uh, for next week. Thanks for coming in, uh, Eddie. Appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Uh, and we'll see you back here in a week. All right, Kev, you take care, guys. That's Eddie Steele, our co-host, 7 to 9 on Sports 1440. Top of the hour, we will uh, check in with some uh, sound from yesterday's uh, availability at the Oilers Hall of Fame with uh, Billy Guerin, Charlie Huddy, and Dougie Waite. Uh, That's uh, coming up at the top of the hour. First, here is the Duke with a sports update.